an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got Kevin Wilson here with us as well. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Oh, it's going fine. Yeah, yeah. How was your Memorial Day weekend? You know, it was a lot of spending time in front of the computers uh, at the National Convention. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's how my weekend was, too. Um, so for those of you who are listening to the show, uh, you may or may not know this, but this weekend was the LNC, the Libertarian National Convention, um, I believe the first ever national presidential convention ever hosted electronically. Is, does that sound right to you, Kevin? Yeah, that, I think that is right. And, uh, you know, I know like there's a few of the parties that are considering this, but the Libertarians are one of the first. So we had our entire convention done over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tell you what, too, I, I got to give... Um, a lot of credit here because throughout this whole coronavirus thing a lot of people have been using zoom for business meetings staff meetings customer meetings and i have heard numerous people say that once you go beyond 14 or 15 people on a zoom call it becomes uncontrollable you can't get things done we had nearly a thousand people on this zoom call and uh, we got stuff done yeah, you know, despite some of the challenges, I, I think Nick Sarwark uh, was able to herd some cats. He was able to keep the convention mostly under control, and we were able to sort of do Robert's rules in a very challenging situation. Uh, so it wasn't perfect. I know a lot of people were upset with it, but it, overall, I don't think it sounded – or I don't think it, it went that badly – no, and I, I guess um, this being my first national convention, I guess I don't have anything to compare it to. But I, I thought it went pretty well. I thought it went pretty smoothly. I was impressed with Nick's ability to uh, keep things under control the majority of the time. Um, and, and somebody actually, he had to put up with a lot. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, and, and somebody popped up a website, I think it was like buynickabeer.com, um, <laughs> just like thank him for all of his, uh, his, his hard work and, um, tremendous amount of patience getting through that. Yeah. I mean, like they're, they're, we, we all learned the word dilatory over the weekend. Yep. Uh, so we all yep. know that now, um, dilatory meaning, uh, motions that are intended to waste time. Um, so that word came up a lot, uh, but he handled everything with grace. Uh, you know, his criticisms of, of how he approaches things aside as national chair, he is very, very good at running a meeting and, and kept things under control. And then when people would kind of rise up or try to waste time, like he'd be like, no, no, 
we need to move ahead with the business and it took a while it was tedious but it did get done yeah yeah well and and trying to get a thousand people together in a virtual room and then get them to agree on something is is no easy task um and me personally i am trying to now uh incorporate the word dilatory into every aspect of my life and i think i want to walk around carrying a gavel as well because it just looked like so much fun oh man i, I do have a gavel because i'm the, the county chair of a libertarian party and i i, I won the bang and i was like come on keep things under control yeah 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 very cool um so yeah, so you guys might be wondering what, what we're going to talk about today, or if you're joining us on the live stream, you've got a sneak peek about what we're going to talk about. Um, Kevin and I are going to discuss a little bit more of the national convention, what happened, who were selected as the libertarian candidates for president and vice president in 2020, um, some other just information about the party. Uh, but before we do that, we are also going to talk about um, one of your guys' probably most favorite and exciting and exhilarating presidential candidates. Somebody who, you know, just gets you so excited, never makes you angry. Yes, I'm, I'm being very, uh, <laughs> very sarcastic here. I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, Joe Biden. And some of his recent comments, I I just, you know, here's right. the thing that I think frustrates me when I see something like this. Often, when people talk about the third party candidates, they say they can't win. Um, and they, they come up with a number of excuses, basically. And really what it boils down to is people are often too afraid to take the risk um and sometimes people will say oh i couldn't vote for gary johnson because he didn't know where aleppo was or oh this candidate um is going to embarrass me i can't attach my name to this candidate and that to me is just extremely frustrating when you have candidates out there on team red and on team blue both of them none of them are immune to this who say just the most absolutely ridiculous, terrible things that are uh, just shameful, embarrassing, uh, sometimes just blatantly racist or sexist or, you know, derogatory. And, and people are worried about candidates that, you know, don't know where Aleppo is. And that's their embarrassing moment. Um, ah. Yeah. It just frustrates me. Kevin, how, how do you feel no, you about know, like, this? G Gary Johnson, like, didn't understand a question, like, in context, right? And people roasted him and said, oh, how can you take this guy seriously? And these same people will unironically vote for someone like Joe Biden, who is a human gaffe machine, creepy Uncle Joe, and then Trump grab him by the genitals. Uh, it, I don't. I it, it kills me when when people say, "How can you take uh, the party's libertarian party seriously with what candidates you're putting up?" I'm like, oh, they haven't said anything as bad as what Joe Biden and Donald Trump have said and done on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I I agree, and and it is so bad, and and this is really where Democrats, um, I think, 
truly lose because you will have uh, Republicans stand up and say, you know, I like Trump because of this. And they will have a reason that they fully support and like Trump as a candidate. But they will still at least follow it up and say, you know, I just wish he would talk a little less or I, I wish yeah. he would not say these things. And, and they're honest about it. You know, they sit there and, and acknowledge that that is a problem and, and at least speak to trying to fix it. Whereas I don't see Democrats standing up and calling out their candidates and, and stuff with one exception. And this exception probably makes people uh, angry and upset. But the only person I see in is in terms of Democrats standing up and calling out their party on some of this just awful, awful stuff is AOC. Yeah, she'll do it. <laughs> And she, I, I see her standing up, and once again, I'm sure people aren't happy about this, but it's true. I gotta give credit where it's due, and she'll stand up and say, "How can we possibly be a party for women's rights when we're running somebody like Joe Biden or something to that effect?" Yeah. Um, well, it, the, so before we go too much further, what did Creepy Uncle Joe say? Why, why are we, why do we title the episode I, the way we I, did? I, I, I was gonna say leave it. it to like the very last moment before we went to break. But oh, see, I ruined since your plan. You asked. <laughs> Uh, let, let me coordinate pull these up things. His, his exact. Uh, so this is an interview on the Breakfast Club with uh, Charlemagne the God, uh, popular. It, he's on like five or six different shows. Um, yeah, he's all over. So he he presses Joe Biden for questions. Joe Biden basically doesn't answer him. He's been critical of Joe Biden in the past, and I'm looking for the exact quote. Unless you have it ready, Kevin. Um, I scrolled down just a little too far on my screen, and I want to make sure I say it word for word. Uh... Yeah, no, we, we do have to get it right. Yes, yes. But we'll, I think we, we've successfully wasted enough time to push it to the next segment. Good job. Yep, yep. <laughs> here, here we go. It, it basically, to the effect, he tells people if they're not voting for him, then they just ain't black. You ain't that, black. That, that's what he says. I will have the full quote. We will bring it back after break. And uh, then we're going to dissect this and talk about just the, the many, many reasons why this is so awful. Guys, you are listening to Radio Free New York. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. You've got more questions. Well, I tell you what. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're voting for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's what Joe Biden said. Yikes. Charlemagne's show, The Breakfast Club. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yeah. You know, and let's not let Joe Biden off the hook, not just for this stupid comment, but for his destructive legacy in the war on drugs and everything else that he's done in the federal government to honestly harm people of color specifically with the racist war on drugs let's just call it what it is and yeah now he's trying to tell people you know you ain't black if you're considering not voting for him my goodness yeah, and, and here's the thing. I mean, this response came up to Joe jumping off the show 
and the Charlemagne saying, "Hey, we have more questions for you." And he was like, "Well, what what more questions could you possibly have?" You know, I mean, he was he was so defensive. And and I give this guy credit because he he wants answers to his question. He doesn't want political filler. He he wants real substance. And you know, I don't I don't know his political background. I I don't know anything other than he was pressing Joe Biden to answer real questions. Joe Biden wasn't doing it, and he called him out on it. And Joe Biden was just trying to flee the scene the, yeah. and, and making racist marks on his way out. Um, yeah, just dropping something like that. Totally ridiculous. And, you know, again, th this is something Democrats try to do all the time. And, you know, I, I you guys can't see this. So I'm not black. I can't speak to the black experience, but I, I can't imagine that something like this isn't incredibly insulting to say like if you're not on team blue then we're going to question the legitimacy of how you identify as your race oh yeah or, or even like the scientific melatonin in your skin or, or melanin yeah, in your right. skin i mean come on this is this is so ridiculous the other thing that i noticed i i watched the interview by the way i watched it like twice because it was it, it was a miserable train wreck oh just um, beautiful train wreck just. <laughs> it's, it's just, you just can't look away um i have never heard now and and i will preface this with i have not heard many joe biden speeches i i've heard enough of them but, but i won't say i've i've heard a majority of them or all of them i won't say that I can't think of a single Joe Biden speech where he finished every single sentence with mang at the end. Like, every wait, single, uh, yeah. <laughs> every single sentence, you know, mang, blah, 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 blah. Mang, blah, 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 blah. It's like he totally changed his language, his everything. Um, and and I, I so couldn't help cringe. but feel that it was so disgenuine so wrong so disrespectful and and i don't know if that made them even more upset or or maybe maybe they didn't care i don't know but i i felt like it was so fake and so disrespectful personally yeah i said you know i'm, I'm not sure if i'm the best person to be a judge of that but like i was cringing the entire time i was watching that you know, and I can't help but think, you know, if the Democrats are going to run people like that for their presidential candidate, how can we take their party seriously? Oh, we can't. We can't. And, we can't. and here's here's my interpretation of what happened. And, and once again, yes, I, I am not black either. Um, I am just a outsider looking in uh, shocked, <laughs> abhorred, surprised. And and what I heard was that. There is a rich, old, white guy running for president as a Democrat who believes that he has ownership over black people's votes. That, that's what I heard. And yeah. I don't know if that's what the black community heard or not, but that, that's what I heard. And I just, I'm just like, it, it was like what he thought came out. And the Democratic Party has done this time and time again. You see that with Hillary Clinton where she felt that because she was a woman, it was her turn, and that by extension, she was owed the woman vote. And I think this is a huge criticism of the Democratic Party, uh, among many others, but this one specifically, 
is that they believe they own the votes of minorities and it is theirs to keep and have and they do take it for granted and they they have no respect for these people yeah yeah no matter how many failed policies they they foist upon them they think that they're owed that loyalty again and again and, and i will say biden did issue an policy uh, apology he said i shouldn't have been such a wise guy i shouldn't have been so cavalier so he did say sorry i guess yeah so, that's quite the apology there kevin wow it feels yeah. heartfelt thanks where where's i, I know I feel like the the apology is full malarkey, and I was told that there would be no malarkey with uh, Joe Biden, and yet here we are. Very here disappointing, are. Joe. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, I would love to hear um, you guys as listeners. Feel free to jump on the live stream on uh, you know the Facebook page, the YouTube channel, and, and post, uh, post your thoughts on this. And definitely, I encourage you guys to go and, and watch this interview Look at the body language. Look at the tone in his voice. Look at how he answers these questions. Um, he's just so arrogant and and truly believes that this is something owed to him. And he goes through and he talks about himself um, helping in the projects and working at like a swimming pool and, and some of this other stuff. Once again, with the context of I went and helped some minorities therefore you owe me your vote that is like the the message that i just kept hearing reoccurring throughout this interview and it's just terrible yeah nope it's a terrible cringeworthy not a big fan uh yeah i don't know it's a in, in like the democrats do this all the time uh i mean republicans have their own uh share of gaffes and goofiness too um, libertarians, on the other hand, are perfect and would never do such things. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I well, can't imagine any scenario in which libertarians would do something cringeworthy or embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I, but I think I, I, I bring this up, um, A, because if you haven't heard about it, you, you should know about it. But B, to, to really debunk that whole, oh, my party will not embarrass me. My party will not say uh, something awful and terrible and, you know, this whole party tribalism thing that we have right now that is causing people to support somebody that they never would normally support just based on their party registration. Um, I, I want to ask people to really reconsider that and vote for the person, not the party. Vote for what's right on your moral conscience don't vote for well i'm team blue so i'm gonna vote blue or i'm team red so i'm gonna vote red seriously look at your options and and say can i support that person or or ask yourself another question if um if you're a democrat right now listening to the show and joe biden was running as a republican and said those words would you consider voting for him would you consider voting for his policy and his platform if he was a Republican instead? And vice versa, Republicans, if Trump was running as a Democrat with his policy, um, would you be supporting him with the way he speaks and the way he um, pushes things out there? My guess is many of you would 
would be having some some different thoughts um and and i think that this just goes to we we need to talk together as society as americans who participate in this electoral process and stop having this us versus them mentality stop having this red versus blue team mentality let's have a let's come together as americans and just choose whatever is going to be best for us um whether that's team red whether that's team blue i'd like it to be team gold personally um i i would like it to be a libertarian there's an idea yeah there's an idea yep uh, there's people that want it to be a Green Party candidate. There's people that want it to be a uh, the Constitution Party candidate, who I, I don't know if they have a candidate yet and if they're going to run somebody or not. That's a um, good question. There, we there should, are... we should look that up. Say it again? And we should, we should look that up so we know. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we should absolutely look that up. We should absolutely know. But I guess what I'm, what I'm pushing out to you guys is let's, let's be better as voters and let's, let's focus on making things better for our country because right now especially with what's going on in the coronavirus we we desperately need um to reevaluate a lot of things our national debt uh the way we're handling commerce the way we're handling trade the the way we're handling a lot of things we we really need to look at it and assess it guys you're listening to radio free new york we're gonna take a break we'll be back in a moment Andrew Hollister got Kevin Wilson here with me and uh, over the break we were talking about the Libertarian National Convention and how there's there's some things that happen that you guys may or may not know about Um, we have talked before on the show about how primaries work and how when you go to the ballot and you vote in a primary um, and you cast your vote, you know, if you were a Democrat for Joe Biden or whomever, Bernie Sanders, um, or if you were a Republican and you casted your vote for Trump or um, oh, Kevin, help me out, who, who, uh, Bill yeah. Weld, Bill Weld, although Bill I know, Weld. I know yeah, the ballots have since changed. Um, you're not actually casting a vote for those candidates. You're casting a vote for delegates to go to a convention to then vote and elect a candidate. Um, I don't know if in the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, are those delegates binded? Do you know, Kevin? Yeah, they are bound for at least the first round of voting. Um, And then usually they they find a consensus if there isn't a majority in those votes so they can uh, 
vote in that election. Or, so at, at the convention, they'll say, okay, uh, Joe Biden got 45% of the, the delegates and Bernie Sanders got 30% of delegates or whatever. Elizabeth Warren got a dozen delegates here and there. Uh, and so first round of voting, they have to vote for their candidate. And then second round, usually by then, there's a consensus on who the candidate is. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I really like about the Libertarian Party is uh, ranked choice voting. So we're, we're going to talk about that during the show. The other thing I like is NODA, none of the above. Um, probably it makes most sense to talk about NODA first. So NODA being none of the above is included in every single election. And I really think that we would really benefit as the American people if we had NODA on our ballots. NODA is literally you look at the candidates and you realize you don't want either of those candidates or, or maybe there's more than two. And you can actually vote for none of the above. And if none of the above takes the majority of the vote, neither of those candidates get elected. Yeah. You want to expand on that, Kevin? No, no, you just keep it empty. So it's a, an interesting thing. If you look at all the candidates on the ballot and you're like, nope, both of these people are terrible, then you can just say, no, no, none of the above. I, I don't want either of those. And then the, the seat's vacant until you can hold a new election. Yeah, and I, I think, could you imagine what this would mean across the country if every ballot, local, county, statewide, national, if NODA was an option for every single election, candidates would have to be not so cringy and not so yeah. bad because the people could just choose, wow, these are awful. I'm not voting for either of them. Yeah. Just reject either option. That's fine. No. Which I think option. is what we're seeing happen anyways in our country. We're seeing a lot of people just not showing up to vote. Um, yeah. And I do wonder how many of those are just plain NOTA votes. Yeah, no, effectively, a lot of them are just like, no, I don't care about any of the candidates I know about. And so I'm just not going to show up. And I think something like 47% of like eligible voters didn't show up for the last uh, presidential election, which, you know, says something about like the parties all need to, including the Libertarian Party, need to, to be better about getting those types of folks to show up. Yeah, having having oh, better outreach, 29. having better candidates, having issues that people really care about, things that motivate people to come to the polls and, and issues that can actually be solved, not things that's just, uh, you know, I'm going to stand on my soapbox and talk about this issue that I know guaranteed when I get into the office, I'm not going to be able to change this issue. Yeah. yeah something that's going to make tangible change is going to make a difference in the lives of everyday people. So if you're talking about abstract or if you're promising a whole bunch of stuff that you can't actually deliver on, then, yeah, I'm not sure that that connects with people. And, and people know oftentimes when you're doing those things that you're, you're full of crap anyway. So talk about things that you can do. Talk about tangible ways that you can make the lives of the people who are voting for you better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so NOTA is one of those things that, um, especially when we vet candidates, I think is – pretty difficult for the two-party system to understand because i i will sit there and interview with a candidate um and and they will emphasize to me why they are so much better than their opponent on issues that they think are important to me and i i always try to explain to them that they're not competing with just one other candidate 
they are also competing with Noda, and and they get very confused. They don't understand, and they go, "But the other guy's worse. How could you possibly choose the other guy?" And yeah. and I explain to them, "We're we're not talking about choosing the other guy. We're talking about not choosing either of you." And um, it is very hard for the two party system to conceptualize and understand that people might not be happy with either choice and at least in the libertarian party we're okay with saying no to either of them yeah it always comes as a shock i'm like what do you mean you would just not run someone like no no we're not going to run someone terrible where we will just say no nope not playing that game yeah yeah and this is where that conversation about the lesser of two evils i've literally had candidates tell me or candidate support staff campaign managers trying to whip in votes to get support say well you know so and so is just so much worse can you really um you know make peace with yourself that you're not going to support this candidate when you know how bad this other candidate is you just need to choose the lesser of two evils and it's pretty easy to say why would i choose evil i'm not going to yeah. choose the lesser of two evils i will just not choose either of you it's gonna get exhausting this year because yeah. we're gonna hear a lot of that yeah, I think, I think yeah. particularly from Biden supporters, but I'm already tired of it. Yeah, yep, no, for sure. And I, I think this is the other thing that um, people from the two-party system will often, oh, they, they, they will sit there and try to say the third-party vote is a vote for somebody else. And they're, they're always pushing people for the lesser of two evils, and they'll say, oh, you know, a, a vote for a third-party candidate is really just a vote for Trump, or it's really just a vote for Biden, when that's not the case either. Each vote is casted separately. You you don't get, like, uh, you know, I, I tell this joke, I thought it was kind of funny. People are like, well, then I'm definitely voting Libertarian, because that means I get two votes for the price of one. That sounds like a pretty good investment to me. Yeah. Um, but but realistically, nobody owns your vote. No. I don't. Uh, so, so I do want to make sure that, because we, we did talk about the convention, right? We talked about NOTA. We've talked about that a bit, you know. We want to make sure that people understand what happened here. You know, who are the candidates? What what went on? What what do you think of that process, Andrew? So, so I I, although the process was very long, which it once was, again oh, you've got so a thousand slow. people in a virtual conference, um, the process itself was was very interesting. Once again, first time going to a convention, so I don't know how uh, different it normally is. Um, but I thought it was very interesting. So everybody who was a delegate had a token and they essentially got to cast their token, which was a vote, um, towards a candidate for president that they liked, that they wanted. Um, and then candidates who had 30 or more tokens had the opportunity to speak. I think it was for a total of 16 minutes. Um, yep. And they could have other people speak on their behalf. So a few candidates would have two or three people lined up, and then they would finish out. Um, I think all the candidates did that. Some of the candidates had, had people lined up to speak, but it was in video format. So they had pre-recorded stuff, and they just played the video, um, which, which was interesting. And then yeah. we went into rounds of voting. And the rounds of voting were, were interesting to me because it was rank choice voting. So there's no opportunity for people to split the vote. And that's one thing well, that I think is totally... Well, um, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't really ranked choice voting because ranked choice voting is when you do um, 
you know, this is my first preference. This is my second preference. This is my third oh, preference. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yep. You know, but so you only got the vote for one candidate at the time, but until a candidate reached a majority, uh, you couldn't, um, we wouldn't have a candidate. So, so you'd say, okay, I'm going to vote for, uh, judge Jim Gray the first time or whatever. And then judge Jim Gray of the candidates who got enough tokens to be on the official ballot. Uh, if he got the least, he would get dropped off and you do another round of voting. And so, okay, you'd have a, another round of candidates. And all right, Adam Kokesh, he was the next lowest one or whatever. All right, he didn't get enough votes. He got the least amount this time. He's dropped off. There are only three candidates left. It, or however many were left at that point for. And then you just keep doing that until you get a majority. And it took four rounds of doing that to win. Yeah. And we'll talk about yeah, who won no, and absolutely. talk about the candidates after. Yep. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our presidential and vice presidential nominees. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We have Kevin Wilson here with us. And uh, Kevin, I guess I'll, I'll let you do the honors. Why, why don't you introduce who our uh, nominees are? Yeah, and, and I will point out that the type of voting that we use is called runoff, too. Uh, good cor correction from uh, one of our listeners, uh, so thank you. Um, and it might be a good idea for general elections. I, I like that idea, too. But let's talk about who actually won. So the person who ended up being selected as Libertarian Party nominee was Dr. Joe Jorgensen. She uh, was the 1996 vice presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party as well. So she's been around in the party for quite a while. And uh, she's the first woman who is the uh, Libertarian Party nominee as well. And uh, yeah, so she's currently a senior lecturer in psychology at Clemson University. She holds a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology, and she's taught full-time since 2006. And, um, yeah, she's also, I think, I, I, I love the way some of the newspapers have presented it. Psychologist grandmother wins LP nomination. Also, well, that's, that's accurate, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, she, but she has built businesses. She's uh, worked as a business consultant for a while. You know, as an industrial psychologist, it's a lot more business oriented than you'd think. She has an MBA. So she has a lot of like industry experience. She's a professor. Uh, I think she's, she's a really compelling candidate. And, and if you look, take a look at her platform, uh, it's, it's pretty much in line with what the Libertarian Party supports. So it's, it's about, uh, radically shrinking the size of the federal government, getting it back to constitutional levels. It's about peeling back things like the ATF. It's about peeling back things like uh, the IRS and income taxes. It's about getting us to a freer society. And I think she, she puts out some really bold solutions for that. So, Kevin, I've, I've got two questions for you. First yeah. is, does that mean the Libertarian Party has a, libertari or a, a female presidential candidate before the Democrat Party does? Well, you know, the the female presidential candidate, I mean, they had Hillary last time around, right? Now, we could elect yeah, the first female yeah, president. Well, I guess, I guess uh, let me rephrase that. Somebody who's palatable. <laughs> palatable, yeah, right. So that's that's the key there. And, you know, I think she she's wonderful. I think, uh, 
you know, like just some polite observations of her. She she likes to give very long answers on stuff because she's a professor. She's like, let me explain this whole thing fully. Um, you know, I, it's probably better for politicians to do that, to be able to explain themselves in full rather than give goofy soundbite answers like uh, Joe Biden does or wherever the heck Trump is doing on a daily basis. <laughs> Whatever yeah, quotes I've, it. I've heard people really are starting to prefer long form over those 30 second sound bites. And I think yeah. it's because people get a chance to truly hear um, the substance of it rather than, you know, four sentences strung together that sound catchy. Yeah. And unlike Joe Biden, who refuses to answer questions in long form, he had an opportunity to talk about his platform on that show and instead insulted black voters or Donald Trump, who occasionally He'll answer questions, but sometimes not always in the way you expect. He'll just kind of go around and say what he wants to say. So that's um, fun and exciting when we see Donald Trump in an interview. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we, we have a candidate who understands policy deeply, who understands businesses on a, you know, a, a great professional level. And uh, yeah, I think I think the the Libertarian Party made a good choice. They they had a lot of really great choices this year, and and I'm glad she ended up uh, rising to the top. Yeah, yeah, no, it, and I tell you what, it, watching the whole process was was very interesting. So like Kevin had mentioned um, in the previous segment, it's it, it doesn't work like oh, just whoever happens to get the most votes gets the nomination. Um, if you had 30% of the vote and everybody else had 10%, you don't just automatically get the nomination. The lowest candidate gets dropped off, plus any candidates that have below 5%. Um, and then you vote again. And that happens again and again and again until a candidate has a majority vote. And and here's the thing about this. NOTA is still an option. It's always so, an option. It, you know, we we could just choose to scrap all of the candidates if people were unhappy with the candidates. So that that's something that I think is really important to mention. I don't know that the other parties, do they have a NOTA option? I, I don't know I if don't they do. I don't think they do. Yeah, no. I, I don't think so. They can't because they're always it. so confused and, yeah, like, shocked <laughs> and surprised when we talk about NOTA, and it just, like, blows their mind. Yeah. So, so, so again, she ended up coming out on top here and, you know, I, I think most people kind of want sometimes like someone who seems to understand the policies really well. And, and, you know, again, it could have come down to just her and Noda and like, if the delegates didn't want her, they, they could have chose Noda that could have, but that didn't end up happening. There's still uh, two other strong candidates in the race uh, at the end. And, and she ended up pulling through, which uh, it's great. And uh, again, I, I'd say I think that, you know, she, she's definitely not like a, a typical politician type person. And uh, I, I'm hoping that that's what people are willing to embrace it. My, my point is for, for people listening today, pl please give her platform uh, a look. Go check out her website. Uh, it's joj2020.com. And yeah, uh, they, they're, they're, just know that there are other options on the ballot this year. And, yeah, uh, and it, I, I've seen some fun, catchy phrases that are coming up with like, vote joe no not that joe you know and so, some other like yeah, you know vote joe, not fun joe. marketing things um oh they, they did they the actually, i'm with her thing yeah yeah so <laughs> so she hijacked overnight the i'm with her hashtag um 
and it started trending on Twitter, and Democrats' heads exploded when this happened. I mean, they they got so upset. It's the Russians. It's the Russians, everything. CNN wrote, or uh, wrote, they published an opinion piece, basically very angry about the fact that that she was able to hijack the I'm with her and get it trending on Twitter and tried to say that a vote for Joe is a vote for Trump. So clearly they're upset, they're scared, they're angry. I think it's a great start. Yeah, no, I, I think whoever started doing that, it was a, a great idea. I know some people are like, why are you using I'm with her? That's a Hillary hashtag. Like, no, it's mostly to get Democrats' heads to explode about it, which is great. And it worked. It was it brilliant. It did work. All right. So, so let's we have talk a couple... about Spike real quick yeah. because I'm really excited about Spike. Spike is her running mate. Kevin, I'll let you tell us about Spike. Yep. So Spike Cohen, after, again, several rounds of uh, balloting, ended up uh, becoming the Libertarian Party uh vice presidential nominee and uh you know he get, look him up spike cohen he's an interesting guy i would say look beyond like his pictures and his jokes he's a guy who likes to make a lot of jokes right so he he'll take silly pictures he has a picture on twitter of him like with ripping his shirt open and whatnot he did that as a fundraiser for libertarian party of georgia i found out uh, we're, we're gonna need to get him on the show to, to talk about some of that stuff but the point with Spike is that when he's making these jokes and he's making jokes about like giving away cheesy bread and whatnot, he's doing it on purpose. Unlike uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, who are often not making jokes on purpose and they enact policies that really hurt people. And uh, that's that's kind of Spike's point. That's how he ran his campaign. Uh, he, he ran it, you know, with, with a little bit of tongue in cheek. And, uh, yeah, so when you look them up, just, just keep that in mind. Watch some of the videos that they produced. Watch some of the content that they put out. Watch some of the actual policy positions that Spike po uh, Cohen puts out there. And you'll see that underneath a lot of that, there's a ton of energy, charisma, and principle. And uh, that's why I, I'm really excited that Spike Cohen's the, the vice presidential uh, nominee. I think they're going to make yeah, a I, good balance. I, I th and that's what I was going to say. I think it's really balanced because Joe brings in that center, middle-of-the-row pragmatic feel and then spike brings a lot of just great energy young energy and i think the the younger populations are going to be excited about what he has to offer kind of how he jokes around about how bad government is in a way that people can understand um so i'm pretty excited guys yeah. you're listening to radio free new york we'll catch you guys tomorrow same time same place